the Arsenal Bros are here with episode 15 to review the 5-1 win over Everton and to preview what this summer looks like for the Arsenal Bros. Good morning, campers. The Arsenal Bros are back with our last game of the season, joined as always by Ben and Kevin. Benji, hello. What's up, man? Another another day, another game in, and about to be into the barren wilderness of three months without an Arsenal game. Seriously, I might have to, to grow a, a, a solace beard or something. <laughs> Thing is, now, they don't, well, I was going to say, they, they won't be able to disappoint us, but I could be wrong by that, but they won't be able to lose it in between now and then, so. Not bad there. Kevin, are you? Not too shabby. Disappointed, like Ben said, that the season's done. But the offseason, the summer summer break is where Arsenal fans really succeed. And now we go from analyzing results of matches and predicting lineups <laughs> and, and whatnot to tracking planes and cars and everything else and seeing who we can get in this window. My favorite transfer crazy thing like that was the Gabriel saga to where he took like a selfie. I think he was in a car with a sunroof and it was pretty much open. You could see the clouds and people like were comparing clouds, but then he kind of leaked it or his gardener, I guess leaked it and like posted a picture with Gabriel. <laughs> It was like London's finest gardener, gardeners or something posted a picture with him and that kind of sealed it. So, yes, very much looking forward to that. But before we get to the silly season of transfer craziness, we won a game. And uh, as JoJo says, it was too little too late. That's, that's a, a deep cut. That's a throwback for yeah all of us growing up in the 2000s. Oof. I love that. Yeah, just belting it, man. Okay, but but we won. I guess we can uh, we can sign off its style. We didn't get what we needed from Norwich, and uh, to be fair, they're dead to us, and their punishment is back to the championship. You know, as as hopeful as I was, it uh, it did not take long, and. I think uh, I think we all saw what was going to happen. Yeah, I uh, I actually recorded the game and watched it like about an hour later, and so I couldn't look at my phone because I didn't want to spoil anything, and so I had no clue what was going on in the Tottenham game for quite some time, because NBC didn't have like live look-ins or score updates or anything. The announcers just kind of mumbled it. Oh yeah, Tottenham scored a goal, and I missed it. Yeah, so. uh, ESPN is really nice to where you could do uh, split screens, or you can add three. You can add up to four screens, and uh, NBC really, especially Peacock, they really need to add that, and especially for these games just at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. just just do that. That'd be perfect on days like today. Kevin, sounds like you had a nice setup. Yeah, I had three or four screens going at least was bouncing between all the games. I was curious about the title race and the 
the relegation scrap down below us and was just hoping for for some drama. And I, I do have to say that if we we might not do it on this pod, but if we're gonna do power rankings of birds, canaries are at the top of the list or the bottom, whatever you don't want to be. Yes. Seagulls seagulls are up there. No one likes seagulls anyways. Plus Brighton beat us when we needed a win a couple weeks ago. So they're up there. There's probably more, but I'm just spitballing here. But yeah, the the canaries were quite the letdown quite early today. Yeah, they uh they I'm trying to think, you know, I was watching them and just there was one through ball, I think is maybe the thirteenth minute, and Pookie was running onto it. And didn't even get a touch. And I was like, well, that might have been it. <laughs> he didn't get to it. And then they had a corner. I'm like, well, they're going to have to score on something like this. And then it was like three touches. And Hoiberg had a open sitter and he missed it. But then uh, it wasn't to the goal that they did end up scoring. The first one, it just rolled in. And it was just in such non-emphatic fashion. But was just such a dagger. And... uh yeah, but we won't talk about them because it's it's another sad day. But we're here to review the Everton match. Um, no shock that Ben White and Tomiyasu were out, but quite unchanged. Other than that, another sun-drenched afternoon at the Emirates, North London forever belting out in our new kits. Kevin, thoughts on the new kits? I loved them. And I I keep going back to this and you're like, dude, shut up. They're business casual. I think it can work. They the the guys look great and it made me excited about next season because how hopefully I have some fresh new bodies in those kits. But Ooh. I think we'll get we'll get there. But I thought they looked good. I like the white shorts and then the red socks again. So definitely a little bit of a tease going into next fall. Yeah, to be honest, I I hate the the early kit review reveal, like wearing it in a game when it's not wearing it a game before the season. You know, uh, it always drove me crazy when Chelsea always did that, and we never did that under Wenger. And then all of a sudden, with Adidas now. We're doing it like we won the FA Cup in the next season's shirt. And that drives me crazy when I try to think of what season it was. But it was actually season before. And then like last year at Palace, we wore those yellow kits. And then this year, like it just, it, it gets confusing to me. I don't know if that happens to any of you guys. But regardless, it's a great kit. And uh, I really like the white socks. Even this year, I like the striped socks. Not the biggest fan. Of the red, Ben. What did you think? Uh, the red clashes with my hair a little bit. Yeah, so that well. much red, it's uh, <laughs> it's a little tough. You, um, to be fair, you picked the wrong team. If that was your uh, no, nah, I, I picked the right team, man. You're right. Oh, I love this team. Uh, I loved it. It, it. Actually, I was wearing last season's home kit uh, while watching the match, and it's essentially the same thing i know there's a few details different with a collar it's not mm. too different um but but i thought it it looked it looked good 
couple of the guys need to figure out how to wear their uh wear the collar a little bit better. They looked a little ragged. I I saw Cedric have it like unbuttoned. And yeah. then when Eddie, I think, came off, his was all, or when he scored, it was all going crazy. I was, uh, was cracking me up, but yeah, we need but, some, we need to bring Giroux back or Bellerine back to like teach the guys how to wear this style uh, a little bit better. But, but I think, I think in a summer of training, they, they can get it, get it down. Well, maybe that's why they release it early to get work out the kinks, you know? Mm -hmm. I think we found out why. Well, like I said earlier, Tottenham go up early. I'm sure they knew it in the ground, and that was kind of a a gentle dagger as the ball just slowly rolled in. But that was kind of disheartening because we knew this was for naught. But regardless, we got to take care of business, and thankfully we did. Um, Kevin, what did you think of the Iwobi penalty? Hale ends finest coming back to give another gift to the Arsenal. The first gift was being sold for $35 million, but a great gift uh, to give us an early pin. Yeah. the You're watching it, and I missed it live when it happened. And, there, and then it took so long for them to go back to replay that you didn't, you didn't think they were going to actually go to VAR on it. And you, like, I saw the replay once and immediately I thought it was hundred percent a penalty. Like there couldn't be any debate. He, he completely stuck his arm out trying to block it. And the, the announcers were driving me crazy. They were like, if the ball hits his skin, it could be a penalty, but if it hits any part of his sleeve, then that's part of the arm. And it's like, how does that even work? Like, how do you, if they're wearing the long sleeve kit, how do you decide <laughs> where the sleeve starts? When the referee goes to the monitor, it's a pen. Or the call's being changed, whatever that may be. And the announcers just are like, yeah, I don't know. And I, so I thought it was I thought it was obvious. I thought it was an, just another example of Arsene Wenger doing it again. And <laughs> got us the goal we needed early on. Yeah, I don't think there was a way they couldn't call it, but it's one of those things. I feel like what I've noticed with VAR is that the longer that the ball is in play um, and the longer it takes for them to like actually get to the check, I feel like it doesn't happen. Like If there's a handball in the box and then all of a sudden the ball's out for a corner or a throw, the, the pressure builds and I feel like it gets checked or the play stops and they talk about it. But if they keep playing, which we did, I just kept thinking, I don't know if they're going to call this. But you're right. The the arm definitely moved towards the ball. And that, to me, was it. Like, it didn't move a ton, but it was definitely intentional. Like, it was a reaction. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was definitely a handball. Ben, what were your thoughts when uh, Martinelli, he's the one that struck it and I guess essentially won the penalty, when he stepped up to take the penalty instead of Sokka. Selfishly, I was hoping Sokka would as as a member of my fantasy Premier League team. <laughs> uh, even though I still won the won the league by five hundred points uh, over Kevin, uh, I was still Wait, hoping for some I was more in points. that league. Yes, I also won my other league, which 
we can talk about that later in the summer, but I'm pretty impressed with myself. Wow. Uh, I don't re- I don't remember being in this league, so that's disappointing. Well, there's a good chance I probably had a Bama Yang in the lineup still. <laughs> there is a chance. Uh, but when he stepped up, I was excited because Mikel mentioned he was supposed to take the pen. Uh, was that Chelsea? Really? Um, when Saka took the first, his first. He, he Gabby is supposed to take it. Yeah. Um, but Saka won it and said, no, I'm taking it. Um, yeah, I think it was Chelsea. And, uh, so yeah, he said Gabby was, was supposed to be on it. And so when he stepped up, I was not surprised. I was a little surprised that Saka wasn't still on him. But then once I saw Martinelli take the pen, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That was a, a real smooth, confident finish. It will be interesting, assuming Lacazette leaves and probably most likely Pepe, probably with Aubameyang already leaving, we have our three top penalty takers over the last three or four seasons. And uh will be very interesting to see who is that A1 penalty taker and uh, what that looks like from there. I'm just very interested to see who that is? I remember James from Gunner Blog. This was a couple months ago. Uh, this was maybe the beginning of the season after Aubameyang had kind of a rough spell with penalties. He said, "You know about Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe. If one of those really wants to to own that and uh, start taking those, then that uh, that would be great." So, and it looks like uh, by default they're going to have to. So, um, not too long later. Uh, Nicholas Yover back in Arsenal's good graces after after two two straight games of giving up a corner. I think we were due to score from one in a really, really well-worked corner, whipped in, flicked on uh, from Gabby to Eddie. Eddie the Bagsman um, hits in again. So thoughts, uh, Benji, thoughts on Eddie potentially making his final call at the Emirates. Uh I was happy for him. I, I I still have this uh push pull with him of like either sign the contract. Like I want to either stay or sign a contract so we can sell you for some return uh, on investment. So when he scores I'm like, well, hopefully that just increases his tribunal fee if he stays in the prem. So I'll be honest, I wish I could think of it more from a fan and an actual human perspective where I'm excited for him as a human, Um, but I'm just thinking about the club. I still think he could stay. I, uh, I really think he could explode next year. I mean, he's going to be getting more games and that was a big thing this year. And I really think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really think he could really, really keep improving. I think we saw with his run that he got to uh, got to improve so much. So, yeah. But we'll see. But a great goal, just showing his versatility. Um, but right before half, we lose yet another clean sheet. I believe it's eleven straight games. Great work from DCL on the right flank. Cuts back to who? Donnie Van Beek, who didn't even start, was subbed in in the first half. 
and bags a top and uh, a tap it. Thoughts on uh, holding and Cedric, uh, lots of uh, ghosting, and uh, Donnie of all people tapped in. Kevin, did you see the goal? Yeah, it. I would use the word calamitous defense <laughs> is how it felt. And it, it looked like a preseason game to me is what that reminded me of. Guys not being fully fit. Every, just everything going on looked calamitous. I'll use that word again with that goal. And it was annoying too. Right before halftime, the game was pretty much done and dusted at 2-0 you felt and then gave them a lifeline heading back into halftime. Yeah, definitely. I thought, oh, come on. Like, I, to me, I just love the clean sheet, and it was just disappointing not to get that. And, yeah. Yeah, getting to halftime. I don't think I was worried about the game because Tottenham was already, I think, 2 or 3-0 up. Um and it was over. So, I mean, it ultimately didn't matter how we finished. So, I think the air was kind of sucked out of us. But um, we came out strong, and Odegaard was really bossing the game. And we really need to see more of that because when he is on, we play really well. But there are some games where either they completely take him away or he's just out of the game as in last game against Newcastle, and we can't do anything. And, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see next year when we get Thomas Partey back and Odegaard. Um, the game plan seemed to be cutting off Partey, but that opened up Odegaard more. And I think having two attacking outlets like them in kind of different zones, um, it'll be really hard to take care of both of them. But... Fair play to him. He was tremendous throughout um, the third goal. Uh, Saka from a corner plays a delicious ball. Cedric, of all people, scores an absolute banger for his standards. Um, but I'll take that back. His first Arsenal goal, if you remember it, um, I think it was the last game of the season. Maybe not. It was one of the first games back, I think, during COVID. I don't know. That whole COVID thing was so crazy. He hit that left-footed volley. And that was his first goal. So there are times where he can uh, hit it quite cleanly, and he really took this well. Ben, thoughts on uh, a great goal for Cedric? I was pretty happy for him. I was really happy for him. I think it's a good, uh, a really well-taken goal. I mean, he just bombed that thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was fun to see that play out. I think we can't downplay how bad Everton are at corners. Really they, bad. They we looked like we could have scored on just about everyone we took, and and they just didn't have a lot going for them in terms of toughness. And I was watching the the match with an Everton fan. He said, "Oh no, this isn't just last game of the season." tiredness this is how it's been all season for us and so well done uh, looking to exploit that i wonder if they i doubt they do have a set piece coach like we do that seems to be kind of a new thing i remember when we hired one it was kind of a really we're hiring somebody just for something that is such a small part 
of the game, like time wise, but you know, really weighs a lot in the outcome of the game and um has been huge for us. And it's really been enjoyable to be so much better at it after having some calamitous years with it for sure. But uh, yeah, a tremendous goal from Cedric. And uh, to be fair, a great ball from Bukayo. Uh, and I think he is starting to um, own those left-sided set pieces and really deliver well. And we go on to the fourth goal, another Saka delivery, second phase, and Big Gabby scoring his fifth goal from center back, the highest scoring center back in the land. Kevin, thoughts on Gabby bagging again? You always love to see it, and his celebrations are always somewhat iconic <laughs> with with what he does. And he's a guy that you're just happy for because he seems so happy when he scores. And like Ben said earlier, you just feel good for him, like as a person for getting that goal. And same with Cedric, really, if we go back to the previous goal, felt it reminded me of Willian from last year <laughs> that you're 99% sure it's his last game with the team and he scores and it's, and you're like, bro, where has this been for the entirety of your Arsenal career? But you're happy. And I don't know if you noticed during the celebration, Cedric's always a dude hitting people in the head. And yeah, he got pounded. See, oh my gosh. <laughs> all the Arsenal guys were just beating on him. That was great. I, I really enjoyed that. I'm sure people who were watching had no idea are like, what the heck is this celebration right now? <laughs> but it to me it just shows the togetherness of the squad, just that little moment in the game. I thought was a, a pretty cool thing. I thought the same thing, especially with kind of a mixed match squad with um some rotational guys, some starters, some young guys, some veterans, and for them to all be doing that. That's the first thing I thought of was like he Saka ran right over to him and was smiling and um yeah, that was great. And and Gabriel's yeah, he he's always got something like planned, like he's planning to score. And uh credit to him. He seems uh seems like it seems to be working. So we'll keep thinking of that. Um uh, 82nd minute, Martin Odegaard uh, receives a ball from Pepe, uh, who made a, a wild Pepe appeared, a wild Pepe appearance, and uh, totally unlike him. I haven't seen him. I, I didn't know he had this in his locker, but just went 1v1 against the 18-year-old Everton guy wearing like number 60 or something crazy, rolls it past him. And then there's just rolls the ball into the corner, an absolute ice cold finish. And he grabs the badge and taps the badge. What a guy. Could you ask for anything more out of a goal? Like the trick stick, the finish, the celebration. Kevin absolutely nailed it. It was, it was great. And a goal that you hope we can see over and over again next season. I think that's, that's the step he's taken this year to really to really improve. And you go back to a guy like Ozil, that was always the complaint for him was never wanted to shoot, never wanted to do anything like that. And and so that was a good thing. And I know Ben was talking about this girl, this goal earlier today and had a really good thought on it. Yeah, I uh I do I do have some thoughts on it. First of all, 
how dare you, Martin Odegaard? I predicted a 4-1 win, and you had to go and spoil it by one-upping me with a 5-1 win. So I was a little upset. I couldn't uh, bring on some bragging rights to this to this uh, pod tonight. But well, nevertheless, I, I, I feel bad for that 18-year-old who just a, a simple shot faint and then uh, working it around. But that's the coolness I feel like he was missing out on earlier uh, this year when, when he missed a few. And so, so pulling that together and, and having that as kind of a last day of the season memory, I think that can be a really good momentum carrying it in. And then just that captain mentality of, of pointing to the badge. I mean, that's just, that's just the stuff you love to see. It reminds me of, the guys who who came here and, and became club legends, um, they're they're the ones who who score a goal like that and and then celebrate in such a way. Yeah, I feel like Smith Rowe did it a little bit at the beginning of the season, but man, I think it's been a really long time since we consistently had guys play. I don't say play for the badge, but when you score and you celebrate like by kissing the crest or. Or patting on it, whatever. Like as a fan, you're just like, that's my guy. Like I love him. Like you become a cult hero when you do that. Thomas Rosicki does that a lot, and every Arsenal fan loves Thomas Rosicki. You score against Spurs, you tap the badge consistently. Like you're gonna be a legend. Thierry Henry was probably the biggest uh, to do it. I mean, he did it constantly, um, and. Uh, you know, that's why he is endeared in so many fans' hearts for multiple reasons. But to get that from Odegaard, I was absolutely jacked. He's probably my favorite player, and to see that that was uh that was tremendous. So just a note on, on Odegaard, I don't know if you guys saw the images after the game with Mikel and his sons. Did you see what who was on the back of uh, one of his sons' kits? I did see that. Big one fan. Martin Odegaard. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I uh, I, I can't remember. Smith Rowe was on one, I and Odegaard on the other, and uh, I'm not sure who was on the other. The, his oldest son looks like uh, Jao Felix Regen, so another Halen Academy player, perhaps. So we scored five goals, and uh, it was kind of a bittersweet feeling to absolutely throttle Everton at home, but. Ultimately, we didn't get what we needed to work out, and that's that's the position we put ourselves in by just not being able to control our own destiny. It's really too bad that these last two games were uh, before today were on the road, and it would have been uh, massive if the Newcastle game, if we could have caught that at home, and just you just wonder if and how that would have been different. Maybe not, but um, you know, we really seem to be. Um, finding a groove at home, and I know we missed the that uh, Brighton game was the the last slip up at home, but I, I just think we're really really starting to hit our gear there, and it's we're making it back to the fortress that the Emirates needs to be. Uh, we have, have we touched five goals this year? I know Leeds and Norwich right before the turn of the calendar year was four, I think four and five. And 
I don't think we've come even close to that, but it was, uh, mm -mm. it was nice to do that. Did you guys back to Orbino? I talked about Orbino and his, uh, um, tweet of death, um, last pod, but again, another one that you see, and you're like, here we go. It's like Arsenal haven't lost in the last 16 final days of the season. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. You know, we, I, I just can't even believe that. Is that is he lying? We just I don't think he is. I I can't remember like finishing the season with disappointment of losing. Even when we didn't qualify for the Champions League, we won our last game. I can remember Aaron Ramsey at Norwich scoring a brace. I can remember him scoring against Everton. I can remember him scoring against United. I guess he was the final final day guy. I can remember the day my daughter was born was the Watford COVID was the last game, and it was 3-2. to two. That was in the end of July. It was really odd. Mm -hmm. Um I'm trying to think of last year if that was the Willian game. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really seem to get it done. Maybe we just need to be strategic and uh, get down to the last game of the season where we are in control and then all things point our way to, to winning that. But maybe that's when it would be jinxed. But anyways, you know, a nice run up, a nice 5 1 win. And uh, the, I thought the subs were really interesting. We'll talk about this a second. Um, having Lacazette and Pepe come on, as well as Sambi. Haven't seen much of any of them lately, but I also thought it was good to get and Xhaka, um, getting them get their flowers a little bit and get the ovation that all three of them deserved. I feel like those three have been our most important players in the run-in and have really stepped up, and I was really happy to see that. That's such, those, that's such a minor thing, but I, as a fan appreciated them getting that because they all deserve that. Um, and it's interesting if we'll see Lacazette or Pepe back in an Arsenal kit. So I felt like they both deserved to get a run out. Um, but I also thought it was good for Sammy because I thought when he was on, he looked good. And I don't think we can write him off. I think a lot of fans are really writing him off really quickly. But Keski, what were your thoughts? Um, just on the subs, they obviously weren't going to, didn't really need to come in and change a game, but what were your thoughts on uh, just the implications of, of each of them? Part of me hoped that some of the young guys would get in. I didn't even see the bench before the game to see if we had any of the Academy boys on, on the match day squad. But when Lacazette came in, had just had the feeling that it was his, last hurrah in an Arsenal shirt. And I thought it was pretty cool that they gave him the armband. Despite how hard I've been, have been on him. I thought it was still cool to see that. And he had that one chance, got on his right foot, top of the 18 and tried to bend it into that right side of the goal. And if that would have gone in, it, it would have been hilarious. Another goal that you're just thinking, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and, in classic Laka form, he missed it, which is neither here nor there. But I was so glad to see him get that chance and the crowd cheer him when he came on, even though he's not been clearly a fan favorite at all. You were happy to see him get that moment. And kind of the same with 
Pepe too. I didn't feel like he got as big of a as big of an ovation, but just cool to see him. I I think also get his last chance in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not at that point of predictions for those yet. But and get the assist too, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, wanted, that I thought, and that was in very Pepe fashion to where it's like, you know, he can kind of come in and not expected to do much and somehow he ends up on the score sheet um, getting that assist. He had a great uh move. The ball was played into him. He did like a flip flop between two defenders and had to take the shot and it was a tame effort kind of straight at the keeper, but it was like just a glimpse of what he has in him. And it almost reminds me of Enkedi. You're like, man, just if Pepe got a run, you just never know. And you're looking back, if we were, if we did have, what a word I'm looking for. If we did get champions league, I don't have to worry about how to say that. Cause we didn't, unfortunately, he would have had arguably the biggest goal um, of the season that led to that was that first goal the equalizer against Wolves, where he took it really, really well. Ball played behind him, pivots and grabs it and finishes it still. And uh, just talent in him. And just unfortunately, maybe wrong place, wrong time. And uh, we'll get to that um, in a season review slash summer preview pod coming up. But um was great to see Samby. Kevin, I know you were a fan of... Him coming on. What were you guys' thoughts on him and um, look, getting a glimpse toward the future a little bit? To me, it seemed that he wanted to be... My biggest knock on him previously is just that you never feel that he wants to be on the ball. And granted, he was playing in some big games against some good teams at the time. Not that Everton aren't good, but the game was done and dusted at that point, and... He was just popping up everywhere, not afraid to take guys on, wanted the ball at his feet. And you watch that and you're thinking, all right, this dude could do it in the future. Yeah, definitely. There was He evaded the press a couple times, and you're like, whoa, if that's in him, that uh, I got time for that. So, did you, did you notice him playing out wide a little bit more? Like he came in for Xhaka and it seemed like Elneny continued to hold down that defensive center mid position, but then he kind of drifted out to the to the left wing a bit as Martinelli crept in and Nuno pushed up higher. See, I think that could be a tremendous position for him because party is traditionally the lone six and press resistant holds it down, wins a tackles, interceptions, everything. He's the do everything guy there. And I just don't think Sambi there has the confidence or has it in him to do that yet. But I did hear a couple of weeks ago somebody on Twitter calling out to see Sambi left for Jaka. And we just in this run in, we never had the chance to really try that. And you know, having more games with Europe and whatever next year, I'm excited and hopeful that he gets that because I do think that's in him. You know, we talk about needing midfielders this summer and, you know, spending $20 million on an Anderlecht captain, Belgian senior international, Sambi Lakanga, 
it's something we can't forget because it's a transition to the league no matter what, especially from the Belgian league. And I thought, you know, for some people, it's easy to write them off. I think those games that he came in when we had those three losses, you know, we, we had no idea what we were doing. We were losing some key guys. We we eventually switched back formation. You know, he wasn't the guy. We don't right now have a like for like for Thomas Partey, but I do think putting him on the left takes pressure off of him. Hopefully gives him more space, uh, gives him more freedom. It It's similar to me when we move Jaka out there. Jaka um, had, I think, maybe less responsibility um, and when he was out wide so he could influence games a little more, uh, found a little more space, didn't have to make as many challenges and put him in hard positions, which is what we needed for him. I think the same thing could be really good for Sambi moving forward, and I'll be interested to see what that looks like. To be fair, I think he's probably more similar to a Jaka than he is to a Thomas Partey. So that is maybe more more of a like-for-like like on that. Speaking of Xhaka, did you see him and uh, your boy Deli Alley getting into it? Yeah, I loved it. I was like, it just was like pure, unadulterated Xhaka ending the season right in the ways which scare me, but also just love it. it rousing each other up. Uh, I was... I was what do you think he said? See... Hmm? What do you think he said to him to get oh, him going? I don't know. Probably something we can't really say on this podcast. <laughs> but then it was funny. I saw Sokka run in to actually cool him down uh, later whenever Delhi just kind of cleaned him out from behind. And uh, and Sokka came in just to make sure we, we stayed with, with 11 men on the field. Yeah. Oh, ultimately, we know it's that Spurs little man syndrome creeping in. And I, I would bet my life on Deli Ali had a comment about the game last week, two weeks ago, and knew what he was doing. And that's all that's all those fools can do is talk about that stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll be interesting to see if he has a future. At Spurs, I'm guessing not. Uh, well, I guess his uh, his loan deal had an obligation to buy, which was mm-hmm. a crazy deal that they got any money for a player that's been so irrelevant over the last year or two. Anyways, we're not here to talk about him. Um, second pod straight, Dominic Calvert Lewin, he was good. Did you guys uh, think he had a good cameo? At, at the carpet, I, uh, I don't know. I, hey. I that wasn't necessarily my assessment of it. I thought he was fine. Ben, I thought the, the caveat had... is Everton is not good. He's exactly. playing in a not good team. Absolutely, they have zero midfield. It was embarrassing how porous they were, and just I, I don't know what Frank Lampard was trying to do. All all match. I maybe he just kind of was like, eh, whatever. Sometimes I don't know if he knows what he's trying to do. And so they just I mean their midfield was terrible. And so I did feel bad for him. You can see the frustration set in. He had moments and you can see his athleticism 
the way he moves, he has a little bit of that chippiness to him that, that we could use. And, and he is big. He's really big. Like when him and Gabrielle had that tussle down um, just outside the 18, you just saw the strength of both of them. And uh, that would, that would be a nice addition. Yeah, I think I think we'd be really looking to get him. Maybe not as the guy, but as one of the guys and just an option in some games and some depth. I mean, we don't know what Enkedia's status is, so we could be in a position where we really got to go bring in a lot of guys. And I hope he's one of them. I love his pedigree. I love his character, his attitude. He's, uh, he's a guy I'd love to have. So 5-1. In the penultimate game, is, is penultimate the word, or it was the final game? Penultimate's like second before, right? I yeah, so. I, I need to Google it, but yes, the second the last, last. The last game was the penultimate game. This was the final game. Forgive me. I uh, that's what I get for trying to sound like a podcaster. Yeah. It's your second straight pod using that word. I'm proud of you. Mm. Well, I used it correctly last time, but not yeah. not today. But. So. People probably wouldn't even know. <laughs> I ratted myself out. Yeah. I'm just too honest about that. Um, quickly, before we kind of wrap this up, uh, another wild final day in Manchester. Uh, that was uh, – I, I flipped off our game after – not flipped it off. <laughs> I switched the game after about 70 minutes because I had to get the, the Villa-Liverpool game or the Villa City game was 2-0 Villa and Wolves Liverpool was one. I really thought they were going to do that 2-0. It's, you know, watching us when we're 2-0 down, it's like, well, we're probably not winning. So to see another team slice through a team for three goals so quickly was just unbelievable. Um, what were your thoughts watching it? Kevin, it sounds like you were able to watch it because you had all the games on. Yeah, they... It was Villa played such a good game and could easily have been up by more than what they were up. Ederson made a save one on one with Ollie Watkins. I think when it was two zero would have been would have been three and the game's probably done at that point. And City were so frustrated in that second half, could not get anything going. And the second the ball went in for that first goal you just had this feeling of, man, they're going to do this, aren't they? And then you're just expecting the unexpected at that point. Yeah, it wasn't as iconic as their last one, but it was so similar. I mean, Liverpool were right there. And, you know, I think for them, I don't know if it would have changed it that much, but if they were to be winning, I think that would have put a lot of pressure because uh, they would have gone up in the table, and that whole ground would have known that, and maybe gotten a more, a little more urgency, uh, maybe more tense. But they didn't make that breakthrough until about after City made that breakthrough, and uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty similar times, but very impressive. And uh, at the bottom of the table was pretty busy too. Um, big day for Leeds, staying up for our friend Ellis Riley. Uh, I feel like that was – I was happy to see them up. I know they're a bit rambunctious and rowdy, and that's going to be a hard place to go next year. But I was happy for our fellow American, Jesse Marsh, and there's lots of likable guys on Leeds we talked about. 
And after after having their injury crisis, I was happy to see them stay up, and I hope they can uh, right the ship a little bit. Felt a little bad for Burnley, but then again, I felt bad that they sacked Dyche. I felt like he he had done everything he could for that club, and they let him go, and this is what they get for that. So I was satisfied in that way. Thoughts on the final day? Yeah, I just want I want to give a shout out to Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard and congratulate him because he now has the unique distinction of bottling league titles for Liverpool as a player and a manager. Wow. Does he get a trophy for that or, or maybe he doesn't he doesn't deal with league trophies, does he? I don't know. When he gets you, you, you knew the slip was coming. It was inevitable. <laughs> man, that's uh, that's harsh, man. But I love it. I love every second of that. You know, he really wanted to do that for him. And I, to be fair, he was up two 0 with twenty minutes left. I mean, you you gotta lock that down if you really want that. But Villa's got nothing to play for. I think that's really really hard to you know, really dig deep and mentally do that when uh, it really not in the grand scheme who wins what so right I'll ask you this question because I was thinking about it a lot during the second half of those games if city would have lost that 2-0 but liverpool failed to win and and City wins the title, what does that celebration look like after the game? Do you think it's muted at all? Or do you feel like it looks the exact same way as it did? I think it's the same. I I don't think there's any doubt in my mind it would be the same. I don't know. Coming back from 2-0 down, I think there's a little more juice into it. Just the emotion on the day, the crowds into it, the drama. I. I think I think this made it just all the sweeter for them. And yeah, just what a wild day it almost was where two of the best prem teams we've seen in a long time almost both bottled it on the final day of the season with a chance to win the title. Yeah. Yeah, not a when you really feel like a lot could have happened here and uh yeah, it was pretty wild that it almost did. I mean, it was close. I thought it was ha- happening. I had to, I had to switch it. This is probably the only one of the only Arsenal games when they were winning, and I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna change this." I mean, very rarely, even when we're losing, do I turn it off. Um, but had to, had to see how that was going to finish, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that lived up to it, no doubt. So. And and Ben would have missed this too during the I had both those games on, like I said, and after City had come back to take the lead in their tie, the Liverpool fans weren't aware of it yet. And after they scored to take the lead, they were all cheering, going crazy, thinking they had they were doing it. It was happening. And then all of a sudden NBC went back and they were showing the crowd a couple minutes later and they're all looking at their phones and you almost felt bad for him. I didn't feel bad in the end, but it was just wild thinking about the range of emotion that those fans were feeling 
and I'm sure the Liverpool team too. Yeah, and themselves up, and they have a Champions League final against Madrid, um, going for the treble. But after losing the league again by one point, that's uh that's got to cut deep. You don't get used to that. You shouldn't be able to get that, but that uh. It's just really wild to think. So, any final thoughts on the Everton game? I, I, my final thought is Bukayo Saka is amazing. And the fact that he did not win PFA Young Player of the Year is criminal. And I know Foden is on a the side that won the title, but the amount of money they spent, his role statistics, playing time. He is good. And I just thought Saka was way more impactful this season. Uh, as evidenced by, you know, another assist, a hockey and a hockey assist today, continuing to be dangerous. And so, I mean, he'll, he'll be our back-to-back player of the season before he's 21. He has to be. I mean, he was he will in and out. Just was immense, just monstrous for us. Yeah, I thought that was a robbery too because he was nominated for both Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. So I thought, well, if he, I mean, he's not going to win PFA Player of the Year, but surely if he's nominated for both, and he was the only one nominated for both, he would get that, and he wasn't. And I, I think Foden won it last year. I could be wrong, but I, I, yeah. Ben, you're right. I mean, Foden's numbers in less game games are similar, but just the 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 weight of impact per player per team, Saka's impact at Arsenal compared to Foden's at City is uncomparable. And yeah, I the yeah, I was disappointed, but you know he will get Player of the Season for Arsenal and. He thoroughly deserves that, and as long as he feels the love from his own people, then that's all I care about because we need him signing that extension. That's a good point. Uh, Bukayo, you can I create an award and give it to you, so you just let me know when you want to come pick it up, or I'll just you can fly me out, and I will give you a trophy that says the Arsenal Bros Player of the Season. And Ooh. Whoa, be great. We're we're gonna save we're gonna save that for a season review pod. I'm glad you brought that up. We will be doing multiple part season review episodes. We have so much to talk about. We did pods through the last third of the season, so we have many months of games to uh, skim over and just ride the jump back on and ride the roller coaster of emotions through the season. Talking about players of the season, signings of the season, the the previous transfer window, previewing the next window, Mikel Arteta, everything else in between. So stay tuned. Next we have, like I said, a multi-part season review incoming, and it will be glorious. I'm excited. I think there will be lots of debates seeing what went wrong, what went right. And maybe just previewing what could happen in the future. You guys looking forward to that? 
Most definitely. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be a blast. We're gonna have fun this summer. We'll get we'll get creative. We're gonna laugh. We're gonna cry. We're gonna get our hearts broken when Holland doesn't come. Uh, he's not coming. I hate to break it to you. Well, we'll wait. We'll see. Uh, I feel like I feel like you're doing this because it doesn't hurt as much, but self-deprecation helps. That's what it is. I think we have a big window in coming, but we will look at that in detail. Let's hope we don't let it slip. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can. Uh, we saw how that happened yet again. We have a pretty good idea for how that happened. So um, I don't think we have that that Stevie G blood in us, thankfully. So, Okay, anything else for the good of the group? No, it was a, it was a fun fun day of of English Premier League football, and uh, a mostly fun day. Yeah, and uh, a good a good end to the season of what we could control today, and so I was I was happy that the boys went out and and put a beat down on those those toffees. Yeah, they uh, that emotional high they had was always going to come crashing down very quickly, and that certainly did so. Yes. Kevin, any last thoughts? I said it on the last pod, and I'll say it again. The Europa League anthem is different. The knock is different when you compare that anthem to the Champions League. And I'm excited to be back in Europe. Yeah, I am too. That's going to be massive for us. And uh, could could make a big difference. You know, we're also... The Premier League is also shifting to five subs. So as we look at our summer business, we got a lot of business to do. So excited to walk through that with you guys. Unfortunately, we're going to have 11 weekends without the Premier League, but lots to uh, lots of transfer rumors, lots of planes to track, and uh, we'll be getting busy here. We'll have... Uh, a couple days off, but it's already end of May, and that window opens up here June first. So, looking forward to that. And, and as one of our loyal listeners and fellow Arsenal bros, Jeremy Rufner says, "Let's get down to business." If anyone knows how to get how to get down to business, it's Roof. So, shout out to our loyal listeners, Roof included. All right, for Kevin and Ben, I am Nick. That concludes. The season of the Arsenal Bros. Season review incoming. And you'll definitely not want to miss that. It will be, I was going to say must-say TV, but must-listen podcast info, right? Yeah. We're going to, it's going to be crazy. It's, we have lots to talk about. Lots of uh, good feelings, lots of bad feelings, and I think, we might have some uh, moderated debates come up. So it's been a long season. Let's cut this off, uh, get our heart rates down and settled after the season, and then we're going to trudge through it again, but then we're going to gain that hope for next season. So for Kevin and Ben, I am Nick. Farewell, and thanks for listening.
it for episode 15. Thanks so much for listening. Catch us soon for our season review episodes.